Hi, thanks for tuning in. This week on Things I Wish I'd Known, you may notice some noises in the background of the recording that wouldn't normally be there. This is because Darren very kindly took some time out of his hugely busy schedule to speak to me whilst he was waiting to go on at an event to speak. So therefore, there's some traffic noise and various clicks and pops and things that you wouldn't normally get if we were recording in our usual way. But he's actually sat in his car and yeah, I was just really happy to be able to grab him while I had the chance. So I hope you enjoy listening still to this episode of Things I Wish I'd Known. Hi, my name is Rachel and I am the host of Things I Wish I'd Known. I decided to set up this podcast because A, I love talking, I love learning from people, I love conversation and B, there are so, so many things I wish I'd known in my past, so many things I wish I'd known about my mental health, about self-care about magic, mystery, spirituality, about so many things that I know now, these crazy new breakthroughs in science, frequency, sound, all kinds of things that I'm now so passionate about that I wish I'd known. And I'm hoping that by sharing these conversations with you, I'm going to be able to maybe relieve some suffering, maybe share some laughs and share some knowledge Some of it you may think is amazing, some of it won't resonate, and that's okay. But I really, really want to get this knowledge out there. So I hope you enjoy listening to things I wish I'd known. Hello, and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host, Rachel, the founder of Wellford Wellbeing. Today, I am really honored to be speaking with Darren. Darren and I. I'm trying to think when we originally first ever met, actually. Was it to do with the warehouses in Hackney? Yeah, I was thinking about it today. It was around uh, like the old baths, Hackney Wick. It yeah. was, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was when I was doing an art show at Hackney Wick. Yeah, yeah, it but That's since, right. <laughs> But since then, we've stayed in contact and I've followed your work with passion, actually. I think we've got a lot of different things in common and I'm really really excited to be able to share some of your knowledge, impart some of your knowledge with the people that listen to things I wish I'd known. So just in case you don't know who Darren is, he is not only a qualified organic horticulturalist and super passionate about permaculture, which is something that I'm also very interested in, but he's a really passionate and dynamic speaker. If you've ever been to any of his talks or workshops, you can't help but just kind of get hooked into whatever he's talking about because he's so passionate with his delivery and so knowledgeable with his delivery. He runs a company, Ancient Futures, since 2006 and presents talks all over the world, literally from Hackney all the way across to Africa. He's part of the Breaking Convention Committee and also a curator for Earthtone Arts as well. So, I mean, he's super, super qualified to be to be here today talking to us. So welcome, Darren. It's so nice to have you on. Thanks for coming and chatting to me. Well, thank you for the invitation, man. Much appreciated. You're welcome. So, I mean, I don't know if there's anything you need to add to that intro. Oh, there's so many things that you do. I was a bit like, whoa, <laughs> it's hard to introduce you. Yeah, sometimes I need to remind myself what I get up to. 
yeah, I wear many hats. I do. I wear many hats. And depending on where I'm at, determines, you know, what people get out of, you know, get out of the interviews, get out of the communication. So I just think when we first met, it was the art, the art game. Mm. When I was dealing with the creative art stuff and that's how we connected. And I think neither of us knew that we had interest in other areas, such as the things I'm going to be getting into later. So yeah, I wouldn't even know where to start, man. But yeah, I have a background in creative arts primarily. Um, as you know, that was what my interest slightly in school. And, you know, I studied sound engineering and music production. And, you know, in, in the future, basically ended up teaching and working with young people doing similar stuff. And that kind of evolved into the organic food growing stuff, which was basically my personal hobby and interest. And I got the opportunity to collaborate with organically through my training and develop programs that, you know, became, you know, very successful as far as engaging young people in primarily in food enterprise, you know, worked with all, all ages. But I had a focus the last few years with like 14 to 16 year olds who were being kicked out of school or coming out of prison, you know, the so-called hard to reach. Mm. Setting up food enterprises, whether it's at their school or in a local community, getting them to develop, you know, design food growing areas, grow the food, distribute the food and generate an income for themselves. So this was, you know, a, a model that we used and, you know, developed in and around East and North London. I think it's so important. I think so many people don't have a connection with food in general. They don't know. They wouldn't know what to do with the seed, you know. And I think we are, as a race, as human beings, kind of losing this connection with our food sources. And I worry sometimes that in the future, things like seeds could be currency. You know, sure. like <laughs> with the way that the earth is being ravaged and everything else, there could actually come a point where the kind of knowledge of being able to grow your own food could actually become a currency again. Um, well, yeah, most definitely. I believe it always has been. I don't think it's gone anywhere. It's just, you know, corporates have got their hands on the monopoly. But, um, the, you know, seeds were and have always been a currency to people who are in those industries. You mm. know, we currently have seed banks where we do seed swaps and, you know, there's a lot of that going on within the, you know, all around the world. And I know there's, yeah, people who invest, you know, who invest in, you know, invest in this, field, you know, mm. holistic, sustainable way and understand that these plants, these seeds are currency. You know, I think there's, eat food. Yeah, I think there's something as well about connecting with the earth in that way. Sure, like, sure. I know through my experience with my mental health and I know from talking to multiple other people that, you know, one of the most healing things that you can do is to actually just get out in nature, whether that's sitting in a park, you know, whether that's sitting on the beach, whether that's, you know, fully going out and immersing yourself into, you know, the outback or whatever it is for you, wherever you live, that connection with Mother Earth really it, it does something to us as, as humans. And I think there's a lack of connection there now for a lot of people. Yeah, I feel you. It's definitely been proven that, you know, all you need to do is just go stand barefoot or touch the soil with your hands or go hug a tree. And there's definite, you know, therapeutic benefits from, you know, from engaging in nature in that way. And yeah, there is a, you know, there is an illusion, I like to call it, that we've been separated from nature, you know, and it re- we really see ourselves separate from nature, but we have to remember we are nature. Yeah. And even in the urban environments that myself or many of us may be, there is nature and that even the concrete is part of the nature that we have to engage in and understand the environments that we're in and um, not reject it, so to speak, and, you know, just work with what we've got. And if that's, you know, your local park, you know, a balcony, you know, your garden or a windowsill, if that's where you create your nature, that's your nature. And 
the real nature that you engage with really is inside of yourself. And you could just have a simple flower on your windowsill and that's enough to start building relationship back up again with nature. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? I feel like all my plants and my friends and my house is turning into a bit of a jungle. It's getting, <laughs> it's getting a bit out of hand, really. <laughs> I felt like when I gave up drinking, I took up buying more plants. <laughs> good, good switch, good switch. <laughs> it's working out all right. It's working out all right. So how did you get into, because one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is I know that you're super passionate and tell me if I pronounce this wrong by dyslexia. Is it entheogens? Yeah, entheogens. That's how you say it. Okay, so for anyone, entheogens are basically psychoactive substances and they're the type of substances that might induce a spiritual experience. Would you agree with that kind of definition? And so some of the types of plants that you might have heard of that kind of come under this bracket are things like ayahuasca, uh, cannabis, obviously, iboga, peyote, fly garlic, and obviously psilocybin, which is found in a variety of different magic mushrooms. I became quite interested in the research that was being done by people like David Nutt and Robin, it's Dr. Robin Carter Harris, who, for anyone that doesn't know, he's basically, he's a guy that pioneered for a centre of psychedelic research to be created, which has now actually been running in Imperial College in London. And they made a documentary, which was amazing, about people that had treatment-resistant depression, and they were using psilocybin in the, in the treatment of, of those people. And I became quite, quite interested in, in that research, and when I started looking into it, there was a lot of other research around how just in general magic mushroom use and, and psychedelic use has gone up over the last few years. So on the global drug survey, there was actually, they've now registered since 2014, around 13.7% of all of the people in the UK would have maybe tried some kind of psychedelic substance. Gotcha. And in 2019, they surveyed, you know, again, and it had gone up to 19.3%. And in young people specifically, so in the age range of 16 to 24 year olds, they in from 2016 to 2017, it was basically just under a percent of all 16 to 24 year olds at 49,000 people in the UK. And when they did the same test again in 2018 and 19 with the same age group, 16 to 24 year olds, it actually gone up to 1.6 percent. So it was 101,000 overall. And I'm wondering what you think in terms of like that growth of people starting to reconnect with these psychedelic substances, whether there is actually a link between people's mental health, whether there's a link between that lack of connection with the earth and with ourselves, and whether there's that lack of connection, which I feel a lot of people have with their spiritual self. So everything is becoming weighed on the external right we're looking for we want the money we want the car we want the house we want this kind of like instagram proof life that looks like everything's perfect little dog picket white fence whatever you know all that stuff and it's really bullshit because anything external isn't going to bring us that real connection that real joy that spiritual connection that we all need that we're all connected Mm -hmm. somehow and i think you can't help but find that connection if you end up using, you know, within reason and I would say within ritual and kind of within within a respectful environment, these substances. 
Yeah, well, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way there. I've, I've definitely seen myself and witnessed just in my circle, my cipher, you know, an increase in at least in interest mm. in the subject matter, whether or not people are actually partaking in the substances. You know, the fact that I'm involved and I'm, you know, partaking in it for me is a sign, uh, you know, within my cycle, within my community, simply because this is still pretty much a taboo subject with mm. all the amazing research that's being, you know, presented and shared. It's still hard working, you know, galvanizing enough, you know, momentum to, you know, engage the community, you know, in, in a real holistic way. You mentioned the term entheogens, you know, and that's pretty much the psychedelics, but using that, you know, that kind of spiritual ritualistic setting. And, you know, when most people, when they hear of these plants, they don't think of entheogens, they think of psychedelics, where I'm mm. from, they think of drugs, they think of harmful, and they think of dangerous. And you know, a whole other conversation I've got to have before we can start talking about the work mushrooms might have with depression and anxiety, or, you know, EMT may have with, you know, um, supporting people with near-death experiences or, you know, all the amazing research that's being done with these various plants. Before I can even start to share that, it's like we've got to get over the conversation with, you know, it's a drug and why are you doing it and it's bad. I'm still there with a lot of the people I communicate with. But with mm-hmm. that said, I'm totally aware of the amazing work that's being done all around the globe from the UK, the United States, you know, Switzerland, the Netherlands, you know, the government along with institutions, you know, getting the go-ahead, you know, they're getting the licenses to go ahead and start doing research with arranging these various plants. And, you know, it's, it's all still yet to be proven and clinically, you know, put out there officially. But so far, the research suggests that all of the research is going in and heading in the right direction, you know. So we're definitely in a, an interesting time period. Yeah, because I read as well that I think it was Oakland and I oh, was it Denver have decriminalised, haven't they, psilocybin specifically? And I think I think with Oakland, it was all plants. It's all psychoactive plants. Wow. Yeah. That's and this is the thing that I find fascinating because even in modern medicine, in from what I understand, in you know, I'm not a doctor, so. Just putting that out there, guys. For anyone listening, definitely not a doctor. But from I've read a lot on these various subjects, and pretty much all medicine, from what I can tell, is actually derived from creating a replica mm. of a plant-based thing. Anyway, so even things like aspirin, you know, most people would take an aspirin, and that's actually originally you know, they're making a, a kind of fake version of a, of a bark <laughs> that's, that's pain relief. Yeah, I believe that's been the hustle since, you know, since all these companies, pharmaceutical companies got their hands on, you know, the industry. From mm. my understanding, again, I'm not, I'm not deep into it, but I'm aware that, you know, you can't patent plants and this stuff and the other. So you can't, you know, sell the plant and capitalise on it in the way that you can do once you create a new version of it that's synthetic. And then that can be, you know, isolated and you can get, you know, your hands on it and it becomes a big business. So um, that's, always been their job. that's always been their job to see how nature does it. That's how we've learned everything. Everything comes from the soil at the end of the day. So and that's where it's all going back to. So as long as you identify what part of the cycle these things manifest in, then you can, you know, you can manipulate it to some degree. And that's what they've done, being able yeah. to. But we're getting closer and closer, I guess, to where they're potentially acknowledging that the plants in their organic form you know are you know basically what we really need you know uh, and 
do a better job than the synthetic ones so far, the research, you know, is, is suggesting. Yeah. You know, I with all the side effects and stuff, these other, you know, these pills and stuff give people, it seems to appear that the organic plants don't have such, you know, crazy side effects and stuff. No, I mean, in my experience, I personally have used magic mushrooms in the treatment of my depression. And before everyone runs out and just goes and buys some and just starts taking them willy-nilly, I would not recommend that. <laughs> I did it in an environment with a therapist and, you know, I had support and everything else through that. And I think that was the right way to do it because I still think that although these plants can be incredibly healing, I think they did massively open up, open me up to emotions that I couldn't access which is great because then you can process them. But I think if you're being opened up to those emotions without support and without help, it can be a pretty scary place to be in. So I think, you know, if you are, and also to, to note that it is, you know, is actually still not illegal in this country to do that. So it's a really taboo subject and it's a really complex one because I felt that they really, really helped me. And I know people that, kind of microdose on on a regular basis and things like that which I don't do I just used them for a period of time as part of my therapeutic process and it worked really well for me but I do think that there is an element of how you do it how much you do it where you do it who you do it with all that kind of stuff because it can you know maybe open you up to things if you're not ready and I think there was an interesting talk that I listened to with a shaman called Wendy Mandy I don't know if you've heard of her and she was saying, well, it's that thing of if you haven't done the work and then you dive into the, you know, dive into the work when you haven't done any prep work mm-hmm. uh, in terms of kind of if you've never meditated, you've never done any spiritual work. And then you sort of dive into using these kind of things that really open you up to that. It can be mm-hmm. quite a yeah. intense experience. Yeah, definitely. I think <laughs> in, my, in my humble opinion, even with the meditation and the preparation and all the rest of it, you know, on the backpack and the compass, it's still very challenging, you know, and that's the work from yeah. as I understand it. And that's how I was, you know, introduced to working with these plants and organisms. So yeah, that is, you know, that's the that's the campaign, you know, and it does, you know, um, involve some some challenges in some places, especially if you want to, you know, become better, you know, you know, develop, you know, and deal with some of your baggage, you know, deal with some of your logical challenges you know you name it whatever it is whoever you are you know it's a work on that it's no different from going to the gym and trying to pump up or lose weight it takes some kind of work and that's what I understand it to be you know and that's how you use and work with these plants but at the same time I take nothing away from being aware that these plants and organisms also there to have fun with you know and it's not an extreme thing where you just need to have these in these you know, tight therapeutic sets, you know, setups with somebody there in that way. Most people that I heard that ever use these plants use them in the festival rave culture. You know, that's mm. how most people I heard before I partook in using them myself is like, and I thought that was crazy. That didn't make sense. But I kind of get what well, a lot of better idea now of why that would be the case and why that can work. And if you go back to the dawn of time you know that's how the plants were being used in those rituals and ceremonies with dance with music and you know a range of other things that accompanied you know the experience so it can be done i say i always say there's no method to the madness you Mm. can't sure that you're going to take a certain amount and a certain thing is going to happen and you know it just doesn't work like that most people experience it no you know you do your best in creating a set and setting intentions for yourself 
as I was taught, you know, you lay down on the floor and try not to fall off. <laughs> True that. <laughs> so, I mean, how did you get into? How did you get into all this? All this work. So. So in essence, I've had basically an interest in, you know, basic development, spirituality, African history and culture for as long as I can remember. From primary school, I've always had an interest in subject matters that I felt were not being covered because I was interested in it or pretty much what I was being taught it just didn't resonate, just didn't feel comfortable. You know, to some degree, I thought I knew I was being lied to. Mm-hmm. And I've always just had them. I've always been that curious person to, you know, try to find out a bit more, try to understand. And that's how this journey basically started. And as an adult, it developed into what it developed, you know, into various practices, you know, from everything from just physical practices, you know, learning about yoga, meditation, you know, I was getting into stuff about dream work, looking at things that happen naturally, like dreams or we all dream or, you know, whether we remember them or not. And how can we utilize these things? I've heard that these are forms of altered states of consciousness that you can use, you know, develop yourself. So I was just interested in these things. It's like, okay, that's like doing the work without working because we dream. So let me use what I've already got, what I already have to do this type of work. And um, slowly but surely over the years of being very much interested in indigenous cultures as well and mythology, this whole subject of psychedelics kept on coming up, you know, over years. And pretty much, as I said, in my community, in growing up it was and still is a taboo subject where it's just not it wasn't it's never discussed about outside it's something that you don't do you know it's bad you know it's basically what white junkies hippies you know all that community do that's how I was taught and you know you stay away from that and you pretty much you know work with weed and you know you got a little rum here and that and that's kind of what we play around with so every time it came up within my research and doing my googles and stuff I was like no this doesn't sound right you know We've got everything we need, you know, the air, your beating heart, you know, the creator, the most high is giving you all the things that you need. You don't need substances, you know. You know, that's where my mentality was at. Mm. But slowly and surely over the years, it just kept on coming back where I had to like, I couldn't dismiss something, you know, as a teacher, as a scientist approach, you can't dismiss something without applying it. You know, I'm saying, look, I've done it, it doesn't work or it doesn't work for me at least. And let me scratch that one off. And um, for the fact that it came, you know, it came up in a very synchronistic way, I was assured with all the synchronicities that, uh, you know, this is something to take seriously and actually to, you know, to give it a go. And then between speaking and communicating with some of my elders and then putting me in touch with the right people, I was able to start gauging, you know, information and knowledge from an African perspective of how these plants are used. And then, you know, the whole breaking convention, it was 2011 around that period. And that was the very first one. And I had the opportunity to go there. And between all of that, you know, that's how, you know, the Pandora's box was opened. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then since then I had experiences, you know, and then just speaking with the right people, being inspired by the right people, you know, and sharing what I gleaned from my experiences as well as my research. was basically, you know, kind of, ushered into, you know, speaking and sharing some of my research. And by a day I was teaching, you know, organic food growing, as I said, with young people. And I believe that was just part of, you know, the practice that it would take to eventually step out and talk about this subject matter that I currently share, you know, around mushroom usage and psychedelics and entheogens and, you know, African cultures and how they use and apply these plants in their, you know, in their communities. I found it really interesting, actually. I really want to come to your talk. I haven't been... But yoga, 
originated in Africa. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what my elders and teachers taught me. And, you know, it may not have been called being called yoga, just like many of the practices don't hold their original names. But there's a series of talks that we've been doing recently with a colleague of mine, Senna Orshi, and we have elders in our community that, you know, have done the lessons, man, and are aware of the history of how a lot of this information and knowledge that we practice today, man, if you come to one of my talks, you'll see, you know, even what's going down in the church, it comes, you know, and in the new age movement, a lot of that, if you follow the trail back, you see that it has some origins in Africa, man. And that, you know, in Africa, we meditated, we done body work, you know, we done stuff. And you can kind of follow the trail of how that migrated into India, you know, with the first indigenous Indians that were originally from Ethiopia. And they migrated from Ethiopia to Southern India. They were known as the Dravidians. And these were the people that first brought yoga into, you know, into, into India. Now it's well documented, it's well documented, and it's just not well known. So yeah, this is the type of stuff, you know, I became aware of doing my research and, you know, I share and, you know, synchronize it with all the modern information and research that's being done. And you can kind of see that what they was doing in the old world was basically, you know, right on the money, you know, and how they were working and using these plants and, you know, in tune with nature and, you know, all the rest of it. And we're just kind of like now looking, you know, observing how they were doing it, thinking we're moving forward into, you know, like the new horizons, but we're actually just coming full cycle. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think there's, I guess, a lot of technological advances that we've been making, which mm. is great. I mean, we wouldn't be able to have and record this conversation and get it out there on, you know, YouTube and podcast platforms and all that kind of stuff without some form of technological advance but <laughs> I do feel that yeah this this lack of connection back to source if you like whatever that is whether it's I always think of it as, as an energetic kind of source that we all came from or whether you see it as you know the earth or whatever but I think like you were saying earlier that thing of just connecting you know when you're barefoot on the earth and I think well we've got our kidney one point of our meridian line system in our foot and when you walk on the earth that's going to you know reconnect your your energy body and I read (laughs) recently it'd be good to get your thoughts on this actually because I think you probably know it or, or at least you'd be down with it but the fact that because human beings used to walk on the earth barefoot there was like a an energetic balance and connection between the negative and positive ions, a bit like how when lightning strikes down to the earth, you know, it's like collective yeah, energy yeah, and, it, yeah, and it rebalances. Yeah. How we used to fertilize the earth through going to the bathroom <laughs> on the earth yeah, and that created fertilization for the actual soil and all this kind of stuff. And now obviously we're, we're more, you know, modern or whatever and we, we use toilets and things like that and everything's filtered out before it gets put in you know put back into the ground so and that, that's actually part of that cycle that's potentially causing issues totally totally yeah man you know i speak about it you know with passion at some of my permaculture mushroom workshops and talks just you know the role of you know you gifting back you know if you take from the soil you need to give back to the soil and how that works in multiple ways you know everything from you know composting and doing, you know, work in your garden, work in the land, you know, growing soil. But ultimately, you know, if you're eating food in some shape or form, you know, you're getting nutrients that was produced in the soil that eventually were, you know, the plant took in and then you ate the plant and you process it and take on those nutrients, your waste that comes out, those number twos, you know, is good food for the, mm. for the soil, you know, like many other mammals and creatures, you know, that, that waste or what we call waste is actually a life force. 
And uh, yeah, it's a shame that it goes down, down the dump, you know, down in the loo and doesn't reconnect and, you know, fuel mama, as you would say, mother nature and keep, you know, help keep her going because she's in need of it, man. You know, she's been stripped of certain nutrients. Yeah. <laughs> basically, you yeah. heard it here first, guys. We've all got to just start shitting in our gardens. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there is a pro- there is a healthy pro- process to do that. But, yeah, you go for it, man. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if people would find that that useful when I live in a flat <laughs> in London. <laughs> i go to your local city farm, you know, organically. You know, You're going to get me arrested. <laughs> What's been your biggest learning that you found from, you know, kind of studying all this stuff? What do you think? I mean, I mean, I guess it'd be hard to pick one thing, but what do you think is one of the biggest learnings that you've, you've found from doing all this kind of work? It's actually easy. It's pretty easy when, because it's real simple for me personally, regardless of, you know, exp- you know the expectations of what experiences I would, I've had or could have had or want to have. You know, I think the main, most thing, important thing that I've got not just learned that I've been able to apply from the experiences, basically being able to drop my load, like drop some baggage, man, and, you know, lighten my load and free up, free myself up and be able to, you know, and be able to move how I need to move to then think how I need to think, you know, manifest how I need what I need to manifest and kind of, you know, get into gear. That's what it's really supported me in doing, you know. There's loads of stuff that is shared with me that I'm still trying to work out, stuff that makes total sense, stuff that is challenging that I need to work on, you know, a range of things. But ultimately, I think that is the most thing that I've been able to drop my load. And I say that simply because I come from a household, a community where we carry a lot of baggage, man, unnecessary baggage. Mm. And we, you know, just in my household, if my community, we were able to drop our load and communicate without carrying these bags around think there'd be a lot more you know positivity positive thing yeah positive things happening so for me that's 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 what these now that's what these things can do for you they can they can lighten your load whatever your load is mm. and it can what i've learned based on the research that's happening it could be it could be could be some real bad extreme traumatic stuff and it could be really bad from what i've discovered and it can support you in doing, doing the work that you need to do you know or if it's just you know you know, you always used to have to wear your younger brother or sister's clothes as hand-me-downs and you've got to hang up about that, but you've carried that with you. It can help you with that. You know, it's just like whatever is, you know, your challenge, you know, that's what it works on. That's what I've discovered these things support people in doing. So for me, that's what I needed. I need to lighten my load so I could have clear mind what these plants, psychedelic means, you know, to reveal if clear mind or psyche. And then you can, you know, Matt, you can create and manifest, I guess whatever you want to with a clear mind you know without issues without hangouts without guilt without shame without you know a lot of the things that we carry into our you know into our creations doubt all of that so yeah i still doubt i still have shame i still have all of those things but i'm able to deal with it better i'm able to you know kung fu some of the stuff away that doesn't serve me well and you know and and then embrace what does better yeah completely i think it's really interesting because i feel similar about you know, I've worked with psilocybin as a part. I've also worked with another plant called Sananga. And I think they can just give you clarity on a number of things and they can allow you to access and process, like you say, to do the work that mm. you maybe wouldn't have been able to do mm. without them. Or maybe you would with, with enough meditation and things like that, because I think you can access certain levels of consciousness and things like that through meditation as well I know definitely through my own practices that I've been able to do that but I think it's almost 
I don't want to say shortcut because that's probably not the right terminology, but I think it gives you, maybe gives you a bit of a leg up, you know, like meditation is a really powerful tool, but it can take a really long time to, to master that as a practice with the multiple distractions that are happening in the world and all the other things. So I think it can, can give you, yeah, maybe a bit of a hand with like you say lightening your load and and accessing some of that especially if you know for me one of my main issues I think with therapy was that I very much am an avoidant personality so I don't really I try I just pretend everything's fine (laughs) that's like how I deal with things everything's fine I just pretend it didn't happen I'll just lock it away in some cupboard somewhere in my mind and just pretend everything's fine and then yeah eventually that cupboard gets really full (laughs) and it starts spilling out everywhere and you've got to deal with it but you know if the door's jammed it's quite hard to get in there and and face some of that stuff so I think it helps you with with access like you say well Um, I just I want if you don't mind I just wanted to just you know piggyback off what you were saying just mm. as far as you know, and I know I've, I hear it a lot in my circles, you know, as far as people seeing, you know, the psychedelic experience as some kind of cheat or some kind of, you know, how, you know, how to perceive like you're not doing the work. And I really disagree in my humble opinion, as I was taught by my elders, it's, you know, not something that we should see as separate things, basically. So first and foremost, you know, these practices, majority of them come out of the psychedelic experience this is how the elders glean the information to develop these practices in the first place whether you're talking about yoga martial arts all these different meditation type systems kundalini work all of this was gleaned through the people having these experiences having their downloads and developing practices you know this is you know part of what we teach you know in our you know on our circuit and the experience the meditation experience your yoga experience your martial arts experience shouldn't be separated you know or you shouldn't see it as it's something separate it goes hand in hand with the plant the plant and the practices go together that's how it works and the reason why people would say oh you know you're cheated or you know it gives you you know it, it you know you, you kind of access these places quicker than if you was just meditating which may might take 20 30 40 50 years who knows that's really not the case for anybody who knows that who has these experiences you know that kind of where the work begins you actually start doing the work like you said, that we may have avoided. So with your practice, you know, in, in collaboration, that's how you then apply, the, you know, the physical practice, the spiritual practice. They go, you know, with the entheogenic practice, they go hand in hand. And either or, you know, it's not like you're, yeah, if you're not doing your practice and you're just going in, I guess that's how some most people have had some experiences. I guess on a dance floor in the festivals, you know, unexpected, you know, they thought they were just and have a dance and a jig around and then boom, you know, and then they say I had a bad experience or a bad trip, but maybe it was just set setting in a, no, a lack of intention, you know, mm-hmm. but I do understand that the practices and the plants go together, they're components, you know, they're symbiotic. I wonder that actually, just on that subject, I've thought about this before, I've wondered like, ah, is it that people have a bad trip or is it that you're being taught a lesson and by lesson, I don't mean like taught a lesson in a, you know, like you've been naughty and you're being taught a lesson, but as in a lesson of what's there to be uncovered and what's there to be healed. But the environment in which you're being taught that lesson might be the incorrect environment. So say, for example, if 
and again I'm not saying you should or shouldn't use these in therapeutic or non-therapeutic and I think you know there's benefits to to both whatever like you say you could have a spiritual experience on a dance floor you could have a spiritual experience in in a ritual right it's kind of the same difference but I think sometimes when something's brought up to be healed it's not always very pleasant it's not always a pleasant experience like you know sitting with anger or shame or resentment or bitterness or hatred or any of these kind of negative emotions and things and maybe facing things whether it's you know major trauma or whether it's like you say something that was just what in EFT we call little traumas right it's like things that were traumatic to you because maybe you were two years old and if that happened to you when you were 22 years old it wouldn't have been traumatic but you were two years old so you didn't have your adult perspective or your adult size or your adult brain to deal with that right and I think sometimes when we when because I find the same with gong like when I work with the gong especially if I'm playing for myself alone and I'm and I'm asking if there's any lessons that that I need to be you know that need to be imparted or if I'm just asking for guidance or whatever like sometimes the things that come up it's not always pleasant because it's mm-hmm. a bit like, well, this is this is your shadow. This is your darkness. This is something that needs to be looked at. This is something that needs to be healed. And mm-hmm. and actually, I've started to make peace with those lessons now. I don't find them scary anymore. I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. That's not very pleasant, but that's something I need to look at. And then I'll work through that in my own way. But I think if that happens and you're not prepared for it, and you're maybe just like on a dance floor, <laughs> that could be a pretty... Uh, you know uncomfortable experience so I don't know what's your take on bad trips do you think it is a just a bad trip or do you think it's like potentially a shadow lesson or I don't know okay no I I think it's a perspective thing I'm not I'm not going to be that naive or arrogant to say there's no such thing as bad trips so you know I understand and really do understand that you know a bad trip there's lessons to be learned in that experience but at the same time, I know people have had bad experiences. They have, yeah. you know, a bad experience and, to, you know, good, bad, it's all, you know, perspectives akin. So, you know, there's people who, you know, come out of that and, you know, it's pretty more trauma for them in some cases, you know, or, you know, they've not, because they didn't know that it was going to bring up stuff, you know, whatever it is, you know, it, it happens in different ways, I guess, for different people. Mm. So, you know, I think most people that I speak to, though, when they say they've had a bad trip and we go through what that may be in most cases there's a lot a lot of the times it's lessons there is a lot of lessons within that stuff that's been suppressed that's coming up that they wasn't aware that it would be bringing this type of stuff up and as well as imagery for a lot of people that I speak to it's imagery yes you know the uh, you know I don't know you know a lot of people talk about the you know sacred geometry and the patterns and stuff like that that they they may you know that a lot of people experience in their psychedelic trips but then you know there's symbology you know that not many people talk about that come up in people's experience that they're saying to me you know i'm seeing skulls and serpents and snakes and you know these weird you know weird looking stuff and even to process that because there's no foundation there's no teaching there's no mechanisms that have taught or introduced people into this you know these archetypes or these these symbols and stuff so somebody sees a skull or a serpent first thought is that's that hollywood stuff that's bad negative evil and you know, culturally, where these plants come from, those things may not have those symbols. So if you're on the dance floor and skulls start, you know, coming down from the sky or up from the ground and stuff, yeah, that's not, you know, a nice experience if to you skulls are death and evil and bad. But 
that may be your ancestors returning according yeah. to yeah. traditions, you know? And it's like, you know, you were just in maybe not the best place for them to come and, you know, make their appearance. Yeah, I feel yeah. you. Yeah. Join you on the dance floor, maybe. I had an experience in meditation once with a rattlesnake tried to bite me and I freaked out and then someone said, oh no, that's a good sign. It means that you're a healer. <laughs> you should have let it bite you. And I was like, I ain't letting it bite me. <laughs> I was freaking right out. <laughs> but it's, it's a symbolism, right? And I know that I've had someone once with the Reiki treatment, they had an experience that they found quite scary, the, the vision that they had. And then when we went through it and I, you know, said to them, okay, well, let's look up some of the symbolism. What was the, what was the bits that were most scary for you that actually translated into this really beautiful message from you know, that was quite healing for them, actually, mm. of, of what had happened. So, yeah, I guess symbolism is a really big part of it as well. Conscious of time, because I know that you've got to go and do a talk in a minute. So I guess, what is the, the one thing you wish you'd known? What do you wish you'd known about psychedelics, ethogens, all that stuff before you got into it? I don't know, because it would kill the journey, you know, because I know I really understand it's all about the journey and the experiences, you know, along the path. But, you know, I say now, you know, if because I, I, I didn't have my first, you know, psychedelic experiences till I was in my 30s, you know, my mid to late 30s. And um, I remember looking at judging people who were into these things, especially, in the, you know, when I was in school, the white guys in school were my friends. But, you know, they were just into stuff that I wasn't into. And um, a lot of that was, you know, popping pills, doing lines. But part of that was magic mushrooms. Part of that was, you know, MDMA and all these things that I'm now, you know, aware of and conscious of. So I would say, you know, if I knew then what these things were, I would have jumped on it a lot earlier, you know. I'd have learned to cultivate earlier. I would have been, yeah, I would have, I would have, I would have jumped in, you know, a lot earlier. Not been as judgmental, you know. Again, I wasn't educated. I wasn't, you know, groomed in a way that, you know, I would be open-minded to this stuff. So that would be the one thing I would change. I keep it real simple. I would have learned how to grow mushrooms, man, a long time ago. <laughs> that would you know because that's what my teachers and elders taught you know it was about you know not so much asking them the questions and like you shared you can go to the source you can go to the divine your your creator you know so why don't you grow these things and have you know your own medicine your own technology because that's what these things are they are technology organic technology so although you spoke about the futuristic stuff you know with technology today there's this organic technology that's always been there the wi-fi and the bluetooth of planet earth you know it's there hasn't gone in that's right but basically taking it going to the source man so growing your own medicine basically and going to the source and you know so you know you can create your own set setting ceremony and find out you know was i wrong for you know feeling bad about getting my hand-me-downs from my brother and sister all the time and this that you know is, is it me is it my fault you can if you know, if you really want to check yourself you can but if you want to go to the bahamas a weekend, you know, on a Saturday night, if that's the, your intention, it's like grow your technology, grow your food, grow your medicine. And, you know, so that, that's what I would have liked. Being on it a lot earlier, I would have been growing my own medicine and, you know, navigating my psyche. Mm. Yeah. All right, one more question. To <laughs> do you think you would have been, do you think you, I don't know if ready is the right word, but do you, do you think you would have been, do you think it took that amount of time and that life experience to be able to let go of that judgment, to be able to move into the space that you're in? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blase, but yeah, that's that's what my path had to be. You know, I guess that's you know how 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 I mapped it out for myself. How the universe, you know, is directing things at the same time. But I am aware that it did, it doesn't have to be this way. And you don't need to be in your thirties. You don't need to be having a midlife crisis. You don't need to have experienced all this trauma and all this stuff that we're talking about now. Why these plants are useful for us? Because as I've shared and you know sharing the talks that this is something that's introduced to you as a child you know i was watching a documentary yesterday where they're talking about the women who use san pedro in south america how they breastfeed their children you know the san pedro you know they're getting it from you know they're conceived in africa in certain places they're conceived under the usage of these plants the children are raised understanding these plants therefore they use them early experience them early so they don't create all these layers and they don't carry all these bags around in the first place so mm. that's where I feel, yeah, great. I've had this journey and this path, but I understand it's more about kind of lining it up so the next generation can maybe not necessarily have to wait to whatever yeah. the midlife crisis. Not have to do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> wait until you've had shit. a breakdown and then you'll find the tools. <laughs> Mexico, you know, and other places at seven, eight, nine, you know, they're initiated into the understanding what these plants are and by the time they've gone through puberty they, you know they've they've been back and forth a few times you know and they know what that space is all about so then you don't grow up like i'm not, i don't believe that can't believe you know that sounds too weird too you know where you know it's like no you've seen this we remember it was eight we used to <laughs> you know that and you grew up with your friends having those experiences man it's the whole another environment yeah, and then you can nice. talk about it, you know, because I think that's the other issue is sometimes when you've had an experience either in meditation or through psychedelics or whatever, we don't even have the language to be able to discuss that with other people because if they've never experienced that, they wouldn't, there's not really the, the words to be able to explain what that even is <laughs> so that someone will understand it from this dimension. That's why I give credit where credit is due to those indigenous cultures who have been able to hold on to their, because they have it. They got it locked down, man. They got it all mapped out. They got maps, yeah. you know, GPS, navigation. <laughs> you know, they've got it all, you know, in some of its oral traditions. So, you know, you don't just, you can't just go there and find it out. You know, you need to be initiated part of the community, part of the order, the society. And in some cases, you know, some of it's in books, but it's, you know, it's, it's really clear and clear for you to see. Mm. Oh, it's been amazing talking to you. Is there anything else you want to say that you wish that I'd asked that maybe I didn't, we didn't get to cover? No, but I can't, I could, there'd be loads, yeah, there's loads, that's why I'm saying no, yeah, there's loads more we could talk about. Like, <laughs> yeah, it should make these like three hours long. <laughs> but we can just leave, you know, because, you know, we've had a, kind of like a, a mushroom focus, we can leave your audience with just them acknowledging if they didn't, don't acknowledge that they're, you know, big mushrooms and their ancient ancestors are aliens who came from outer space come and colonize planet earth and you're just a big extension of this mycelium network and all this technology that we're looking at and inspired by today like you mentioned you know with the internet and bluetooth and wi-fi and uber and deliveroo and you name it all of that is coming out of this organic technology experience and i do believe for lack of a better word that we're coming full circle you know and back to nature back to you know, and it's what this organism, the brain of the planet, it's the mycelium, just like your central nervous system, you become more synergizing and becoming one with it. So I'm going to sign out on that weird note and just inspire you. I love <laughs> it. Everyone's <laughs> now like, hey, Google, what's mycelium? <laughs> Find out, you know, how it all arrived to this planet, how it's colonized this planet, how, you know, it's used to hold a plant that we eat and 
free via, you know, and just, you know, and just you're interested in mushroom. It plays a bigger role and part in magic mushroom or just a piece of something. So yeah, go check it out. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate you coming and talking to me today. No problem. And yeah, I'll hopefully see you soon because I really want to come to that talk about the yoga as well. I'm really interested sure, in that. Man. Once again, thank you. And as well, Rachel, just keep up the good work. I've been observing what you've been doing since our first meetings, at, you know, in, in Hackney Wick. And look at the podcast going and I see you're doing amazing stuff too. So yes, I'll be tracking you and following you too, man. So keep up the good work. Oh, thanks, man. Well, I'll see you very soon. All righty, man. Good luck with your talk tonight. Take care, man. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more about my work through one-to-one sessions, corporate well-being, or even coming and joining me on my yoga and sound healing retreats in Morocco, then please check out my website www.welfordwellbeing.com and remember you can always follow me on social media at Welford Wellbeing over on Instagram and Facebook and like, subscribe and share on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube.